This episode is part of a series in which we'll be covering the essentials of cooking. We begin the series by discussing seasoning and specifically the use of salt before the cooking process, during the cooking process, and as a finishing touch. And if you read any book, everybody always references that salt is a key foundation to your cooking process. So that's why we're starting the series off this way. I'm going to be joined by Giovanni and Vanessa, and we're going to be discussing the science and techniques featured in the books Romans 20, as well as Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Both are great books for people looking for foundational knowledge on cooking. So join us for a fun discussion on seasoning with salt. You're listening to Sharing the Flavor, a show that connects you with flavor and how to create. In this show, we connect you with recipes, cooking techniques, and show you a little bit of the science of cooking to help make you a successful cook so you can share flavor with your friends. I'm your host, Andy Gebby. Salt is an essential part of civilization and also an essential part of cooking. We discuss the history, science, and technique of cooking with salt. So join us for a fun discussion of the only rock we eat. You want to talk about um, the best use of salt ever, which is chef's uh, chocolate salty bowls from South Park. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I think you just did the intro, Vanessa. I appreciate that. You're so welcome. There you go. There a you belated go. Christmas gift to you. <laughs> Always appreciated. So, Gio and Vanessa, so nice to see you both again. We have we have a topic, and this is a topic that we're going to be doing a series of podcasts on cooking essentials. And so you'll you'll notice that we're going to have cooking essentials, and this one is going to be about salt. So specifically, you know, we all, as we cook food, we know how to season food, but do we really know enough about salt, right? And how to do it, how to use it well, um, and how to really how to use it to be a flavor enhancer to the two things. So, um, and in, in setting up for this, we're going to have some books we want to reference and all that and different ideas. So welcome to you and Vanessa. Thanks, Andy. Nice to see you guys. Likewise. I was going to make the obvious thing about let's try not to be salty, but you know, that would be a horrible don't be, don't be a salt. Don't be a salty bitch. <laughs> no, I will be a maladin whore. Oh, good one, Gio. Good one. Gio explodes with the left. <laughs> salty bitch better though you know you're you're really not you're not like very whorish i think you're more bitchy ah i just love the abuse like a steak under salted and only okay, 10 minutes yes. before putting it on the grill wow <laughs> well played you under salted steak nicely done yeah you know he's a man though you know men men, men like their meat salted before never mind anyway <laughs> and on with the show <laughs> Anyhow, um, so we're going to talk about salt, but mm -hmm. I think it's probably important if we talk about salt in a historic context before we get into the actual use of salt, yeah. because, and I think, Vanessa, you mentioned this book before. I think the book is actually called Salt, mm -hmm. um, which is salt throughout history. Yeah. And so if you want to give us a little bit of background, and I know that there is some sayings that came from it, like worth your weight in salt, yeah. and salt is currency. So the book is called Salt, A World History by Mark Kurlansky. It's an amazing book. 
And um, it just, he, he, he actually, and he, there are some recipes in there and he gets into the, you know, cooking techniques, but what he mainly does is he talks about salt from a cultural and societal perspective. He talks about, you know, obviously it's the only rock that we eat, which mm-hmm. I always love that comparison. But then he talks about like, you know, how, you know, obviously we know it's been used for, you know, food preparation for thousands of years, uh, obviously predating refrigeration and modern food um, preservation techniques. But he talks about like, because it, because it was so essential for, for survival that um, it was used as a monetary unit. Um, ancient Roman soldiers were paid actually in salt. And the, the term in the, the military term worth your weight, worth your salt. It was a, that, you know, that's, that's how, that's how, you know, that, that saying came into being because, you know, some people were weighed and they were they're worth, worth their weight in salt. So it was used, like I said, as a, as a monetary unit. It's just a really wonderful book. Um, I don't normally like nonfiction books like that, but I, that one was really good. I think I've read it four or five times and it, every, it, you just get new stuff out of it each time. So it's a really great book. So it kind of echoes a lot of what um, Michael Rollman talks about in his book, the one that we're going to talk about today, um, Rollman's 20. You know, he does that chapter on salting things and uh, mm-hmm. different ways to use salt. But there are so many different types of salt. Like, I, like Giovanni had pointed out earlier, um, like Ruhlman only talks about a few salts, but there's like so many that you there's, can there's, use. Although I have to say, I've never heard of the um, the Indian black salt. Like what would you use I that for? I've never heard I'm of curious. it too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that, that was going to be our next uh, topic here is all the different types of salts. And I'll be honest, Many of these I didn't even know about mm-hmm. before before I started doing this research. So certainly knew about kosher salt. So maybe we can, well, first let's talk about table salt, mm-hmm. why table salt even exists, right? And and so this was, I think this dates back to, is it the 20s, I want to say, when there was an issue with uh, salt with um, iodine deficiency in people. Mm-hmm. And um, as a result, companies like Morton's and, and folks started adding iodine. So it's iodized salt and they added it to um, help people's health. And it had a huge positive benefit. Uh, and isn't people... that around the time, or I think it was before the um, establishment of the uh, Food and Drug Administration here in the United States. And I had read somewhere that like after the FDA was established, like they're the ones that made all these recommendations about like nutrition on food packaging and stuff like that. And so salt, you know, is one mm-hmm. of them as well. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm, I was trying to think of the, let's see if I can find it here, the type of ailments that were caused. And I'm trying to remember it from Roman's book here. Um, but it, there was definitely a, um, a positive effect of putting iodine in salt. Well, it has probably, something to do with your thyroid, right? Like, Giovanni, you know oh, about it. That's right, it, it is. You're, you're pretty yeah, it is well your thyroid. In- yeah. Yes, and some other stuff to 1906. Though it, they've, been it, they've been doing it from the beginning, the modern regulatory functions began in 1906, Pure Food and Drugs Act. Okay. Okay, so I was off by 20 years. Story of no, my life. Same, but it's the same time. But, <laughs> but, I mean, but still, it had. It, they did it for a reason. They did yeah. it for a health reason to to, to help with thyroid. Um, now the and there, there's the current the current thought on that though is that if you eat the right foods, your thyroid's okay. You don't necessarily need iodized salt, but I don't see, there's no harm, right? And, and having, you know, table salt, iodized table salt, mm-hmm. um, 
I think the thing that as I was reading um, Roman's book, one of the things he talked about is in certain restaurants, they don't have salt at the table. Um, and if you salt, salt at the table, like if you're at a find any restaurant and if you're making the motion, right. Of like pinching salt, that's kind of a cue for people to bring out a little bit of salt for you to put on it if you so desire. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing that, that chefs or, you know, restaurants use a visual cue for, for salt. Um, That doesn't make any sense to me because especially if you go into a place that's like a breakfast place and you're going to, you're ordering eggs. Eggs are something that I absolutely require salt. Like, so there's a restaurant here that does that, and it's so irritating. I'm like, just put some goddamn salt on the table. I can eat this omelet without salt, you fool. <laughs> well, I'm like, making may, that little pinching gesture. Maybe, no, maybe, maybe it's just a fine dining thing. You know, maybe mm. it's a foo-foo fine dining it's thing. It's pretentious. But. It's a bunch of bullshit, is, if you ask me. But Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it happens. So, um, but reading his book, so we'll reference. So, there's a couple of books we're going to be referencing this show. We're going to be referencing Romans 20, uh, which uh, Vanessa mentioned before. We're also going to be referencing Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat by uh, Simin Nasrat, who's this was a you know huge seller on New York Times. Um, great book gets, yeah. that she gets into a lot of detail on a, each of these components. Um, there's also a Netflix series that, yeah. that you put out there too and other things. So very good, very good material coming from this book as well. But both books really talk a lot. And I, and I didn't realize this before, but they talk about as they get into the different types of salt, the preferred salt is kosher salt for chefs. But even then there's different kinds of kosher salt. I thought it's all one thing. You use kosher salt. What's the big deal? Um, but there's, there's subtle differences in between using diamond crystal um, kosher salt and using Morton's where Morton's is more dense and typically saltier than diamond crystal where diamond crystal is a little flakier, which I never knew that before. Very good for brining. Yep. Very good for brining. And it's, it's one of these things where if you're cooking with kosher salt, you know, you let it kind of, um, you let it absorb. Typically yeah. it takes longer, longer to absorb, whether it be <laughs> if you're applying it to meat or you're, or you're putting it in, uh, water for cooking pasta, cooking vegetables, or soups. Um, moving on through the different types of salts, we also have sea salt, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with. One of the things I thought was was interesting that um, was mentioned in the uh, the book by in salt uh, uh, in salt fat acid heat was about the different types of salt and the essentially the process of making them is evaporating water, right? Evaporating water that's coming to, that's seawater or evaporating water that's been uh, combined with rock salts. Um, and depending upon how you do it, you're gonna get a different type of salt in the process. Um, so some salts kind of become more dense, others have become more flaky. She even referenced in the book, this is kind of cool, it's one of the biggest, I think I have it up here, never knew this before, this is just interesting trivia. The biggest salt flat in the world is in Bolivia. Yeah. And any, the, uh, which is super cool. I never even knew this existed. Right? That actually sounded so, like the beginning of a joke. Did you know that that was all flat? <laughs> it, just sounded, it just did. I don't know why it did. <laughs> <laughs> or the so, beginning of a really really bad, dirty joke. But you know, really my, you know me joke. and my perverted mind, I, Andy, So I, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, so, but we, so we've, we've covered sea salt. 
but there's also yeah. other ones too. And these ones, I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. Um, the, specifically, we'll go down here to fleur de sel, Actually, finishing you, salts. Yeah, but fleur de sel is, okay. Fleur de sel is made from sea, when you make sea salt, when you make the salt from, you let it evaporate. I'm not sure you explain this in the book, haven't it? Uh, the fleur de sel are the, are the flakes that have not been fully, and, they, and, you, and you fish them out from the surface. Mm -hmm. And when it sinks down instead, it's the salt, which you, is cheaper than what you buy. They're made in the same exactly. place. That's all. I just mm -hmm. want to make sure that it's all natural. <laughs> Put it that way. No, no, Dan, thank you for bringing it up because that yeah. was mentioned in the, in, uh, in salt, fat, acid, heat is that you, there's some that you pull from the surface and there's others that descend, right? And the ones that descend are cheaper. Um, fleur de sel, I mean, and I think, Correct me if I'm wrong on this, Gio. So fleur de sel is obviously harvested in very specific areas in France. Um, the title, yes, well, but then it always is language because then if in Italy it's called fiori de sale. And I'm sure in Spain they have the same thing. How would they say it in Spanish, Vanessa? Sal. No. Sal is salt in Spanish. So, yeah. No, no, no. The same. Flour, salt flour. How would they say it? Fleur de sal. Flor de, flor de sal. And I'm pretty sure if you look it up right now, Annie will find it. I'm almost positive. Or in, in, in Portuguese, too. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure every place makes it. But the French are snobby. And therefore, and they're attentive intelligently for the <laughs> DOC names. And they're intelligent they for the DOC names. It's important. It's important. <laughs> but it's important, dudes. It's very important. So I think it's only in Brittany, though I for some reason, have bought Fleur de Sel in La Camargue. I don't know if that's a legal deal or not. <laughs> in other words, you can, I don't know, depends on the nation you're in. But Buying de salt Sel, on the black market, huh? You're, you, very you, funny. You, sal um, you salty bitch, you. <laughs> hey, in the U.S. you can buy Parmesan. That's Parmigiano to you. No, it's Parmesan <laughs> to me. It's ain't, that ain't Parmigiano, Parmigiano. So that's also, so, and it's just the, it, it's just ex explaining that it's the salt buds that are uh, nicer. They're, they're they're nicer. I don't know. That's the best word to use. They look like flowers, nice. right? Because they're 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 pretty. Well, they're nice. They're it's kind of like maladonna. You, you put it in your mouth. They're very pleasant, and and um, and that's it. Well, and that's 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 what I was going to mention next is is maladon, which is in England. Is that right, Giovanni? I do not know. Well, I, I'm not rich. Um, I do actually yeah. have oh, some. Oh, here you go. A personal favorite of Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> I could spend there for yeah. like a year and oh, a half. Oh, dear. Well, the Queen, huh? Well, we're. I guess we're in good company if, if you know, we all like our say, malt and salt. Yes. If we like our malt and salt, mm -hmm. we're in the company of the Queen, Queen Elizabeth. They say it's very nice so, and gets crispy and it's pleasant to, the, to eat and uh, I do not know. Well, but it isn't the purpose of these is what they call finishing salts. They're salts that you you want to taste, right? You want to be on your palate and they're very flaky and light and... and was it in bright, if you if that's the right term to use? Um, typically used on things like if it's salads or if you're putting them on type of like sweets, you want it, you want to taste it directly. Um, I made a chocolate cake last year for a Mother's Day and I decorated it with fruit on the side of it, and then I sprinkled um, some sea salt flakes all on top of it, and it was so good. So I'm I'm with you on the you you know use of use of it as a finishing type of thing, but it's also really good with them. Um, with sweets as well as I've learned, you know, making cookies and baking and a little bit of salt adds something to it's, it, to it. It's so true. I was going to bring that up to me. It's when you're cooking with chocolates or yes. things, or even there's even something subtle that, um, uh, Simin was mentioning in her book about flour. I was going to bring mm -hmm. up later about flour that has salt and flour that doesn't have salt in it, but absolutely with chocolate, if you have like 
espresso kind of mm-hmm. flavored brownies and you're putting salt on it, it's counteracting bitterness, right? And it's doing some really lovely things in the process. Oh, well, I will also make an argument for um, make, putting a little salt into something with vanilla. That's not necessarily oh. going to be very sweet because, you know, regular vanilla is not not sweet. It's sweet when you add the sugar. But there's something about the combination of vanilla and salt that is like mwah, magic. Also, I highly recommend it. That. Don't get mad. Try that. Anytime you bake, actually, you should add a pinch of salt anytime mm-hmm. you bake. Yep, yeah. I agree. Anything. It doesn't have to be any, cool. anytime. Well, even in, even in Roman's book, like when I, like the nice thing about his book is he references like it, it's a subtle difference in between um, Samin's book uh, Nazrat and and Roman is Roman's is technique and then recipes. Samin's gets you know much more depth into mm-hmm. you know technique and science and things like that. She still has recipes, don't get me wrong, but um, yeah. the the thing that uh, I liked about Roman at the end of his book, which on the chapter on salt, as I go as I bring it up here. Yeah, I was going to bring up the whole thing, by the way, on uh, fish sauce here in just a sec. Um, oh, the curries. Another thing yeah. that people don't don't or that I didn't see in this book, but that I've found is that when you do bake and when you particularly bake with things like lard, like when you're mm-hmm. or um, a lot of butters, like a pie crust or things like that. When I make scones, I use butter. Um, anything that has that that high level of fat content, the salt helps preserve it longer. So just yep. something else to think about. I didn't yeah, want to absolutely. mention it, but you just want a tiny bit, and obviously you don't want to mix it with you know Mm-mm. things that are going to make it fluffy. You're gonna, yeah. uh, you just want to use it. Well, when and you're baking, but not Roman, to kill. His his was his was a caramel sundae, so it was like fresh made ice cream, fresh made caramel, and you're putting fleur de sel or malted on it at the end, just mm-hmm. to give it a little bit of extra zing, right? Yeah. Um, salted caramel, even mm-hmm. salted caramel. Which is just, I take it in the United States, everybody eats that now, correct? Yes. Oh. In the U.S., salted salt, salted caramel ice cream, I would say, is pretty has become pretty popular. Even talks about like making your own bacon at home, curing, mm-hmm. and things like that, which is great. But let's continue here with um, for a second here with just some of the stuff about how to use salt. And this this is stuff that I thought was interesting too. Is and this was referencing uh, salt, fat, acid, heat. Is measuring salt should be done by by weight rather than volume. To taste, um, so, to taste. That's, or when she even says taste, she even says taste. He's wrong. It's to taste. Don't get mad. <laughs> He's a French dude. I get it. He went to school she, and use it. We're she. not talking about baking, but if you're making a sauce, you cannot because the salt by volume is still going to be different tasting. You have to learn how to do it palate. by taste. You've got to learn how to yeah. do it by palate, which you can only do by either exercise, which take a sauce that you make a lot or whatever you make a lot, and it's a pain in the butt, but take some of it and find out, okay, that's too much. That's too little. And use your fucking hands. That's too much. That's well, too but little. That, but that's one, sorry to break in, Gio. That's one of the things that Roman talks about. And I'm going to mention something about um, uh, Samin, too. Pinch, so Roman was talking about pinching, right? The importance of put some on your palm. How much is that? How much is it on your palm? Try it with three fingers. Try it with four fingers. Understand how much you're using. And right? that's also the danger, which just happened to me, when you change salts. Because ironically, I said, oh, I'm going to use yes. a bit more iodine, and I changed the salt. And you've got, because I have to use a lot more of this salt than the one I was using before, because it, it changes. It's less, it has, on me at least, it has a different, um, also it's different from person to person in times of day and et cetera. Yep, yep. Well, even one of the things that they uh, mentioned, so so uh, for those that don't know, um, Samin uh, Nasrat, she actually, um, 
uh, trained at Chez Panisse uh, in uh, San Francisco. And one of the things that she talked about in the book, which I thought was interesting, is you know, kind of being brought along as a, as a sous chef and such, or, you know, as a chef assistant and sous chef. And, um, but she talks about this one experience of making polenta and not putting in the right amount of salt in the polenta and the chef correcting her over and over again, right. To make sure that it's salted correctly. Cause I think a lot of us probably have a fear of over salting things, right. Um, polenta particularly. Even, what's that you? Polenta particularly. Yeah, it's huge. Which is cool because you can adjust polenta. But I think so that's I think... where the fear comes from, is because you can't, once you've oversalted, there's really no way to fix it. Um, I think you can always add more salt, but you can't take it out, and that's a, a kind of I, I I'll be the first one to admit that I'm kind of a little paranoid about salting myself, um, mm-hmm. not not putting salt on me, <laughs> but salting. <laughs> <laughs> Please, <laughs> Vanessa, don't, don't, don't cure yourself. We I know, right? No, I'm, I'm trying not to brine myself these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, but because I've, when I first started cooking, learning how to cook, I can't tell you how many times I oversalted and I get pissed off. And then there's that, there's that, like, that famous, uh, like, if you oversalt something, put a, a, put a peeled potato in and cook with it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Trust it doesn't me. really do. No. I actually, I actually like should. a woman's technique of saying, just spread it out. If you yeah. oversalted something, Divide it, right? And yeah. make other stuff with it. Yep. Rather than trying to correct it. It's, or you're add, not like, going to be able to correct it. You're making soup, like add more liquid. Yeah. Right, that's right, too. exactly. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that I'm, so looking at all these other salts here, Giovanni, I'm not as familiar as working with Himalayan salt, I'll be honest. I, that, that one I really don't know, and I never even heard of Indian um black salt before so i don't know if you have any reference on this at all I, i've used them both the only thing is first as far as himalayan i'm pretty sure lots of those himalayan things are made or, or i don't know processed i don't know the himalayas of new jersey i don't know because it's impossible <laughs> because everyone says they're, they're himalayan they're himalayan salts and i'm pretty sure it's just himalayan from new jersey it's just rock maybe, maybe salt it's they mean the himalayan like that that like riot at the State Fair? Right. That's like the cane sugar thing. <laughs> cane sugar. And then look, what is it? It's basically sugar that's been toasted and then, you know, caramelized. So uh, it, it's lighter. It's just cleaner. I, I like it. when I. But the thing is, <laughs> there's a lot of difference between one Himalayan and another Himalayan. So I, I don't know. It's usually rose-colored, of course. Yep. Rose colored, beautiful. Yeah, they have it at Costco. It's really pretty. I, I've, I've used it. I bought a, I bought a thing of it just because it was so pretty. And I have it sitting next to my stove, and I admire it from time to time. But I don't really use it because I don't notice. A, it doesn't have a particularly pronounced flavor, in my opinion. So, no, it, I think it's for me. It's because it is so pretty. It's It'd be nice more for to put finishing on. than that. Yes, also, you can exactly cook things on it if you want to. Or maybe, okay. maybe when when Vanessa does it to brine herself again, she can use that salt. Um, <laughs> Hold her part back. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, she'll come I'll throw, she'll it, I'll come throw it in the bath and, and I'll, I'll let you know oh I brined myself guess what you guys <laughs> oh gee was being a salty bitch that's going to take salt bath to a whole different level I know right, right? <laughs> Gio was being a salty bitch again <laughs> <laughs> or a Malden uh, whore <laughs> oh yeah there you go well we don't call it we call them escorts now so Malden <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's why I own a house in Davos. Oh, yes. Nice, nice. 
So, so maybe one of the things we could talk a lot of, a little bit about is, and I'm going to show you both because I can't do this. Well, maybe I can see if I can find a picture of this and I'll give this to folks um, to reference here is what happens with salt. So there's two principles that are, that are at work is one is osmosis. I don't know if Joe and Vanessa, if you can see this, one is osmosis mm -hmm. and the other is diffusion that's occurring. And getting into what salt does, so salt's a flavor enhancer, and, I, and I'll mention first about osmosis. So we all, we've all heard of, hey, put a little salt on your tomatoes, right? You know, dash of salt on your tomatoes before before you cook with them or dash of salt on your on your eggplant right and and that's osmosis that's occurring is you're 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 taking water and and water is going from a less salty place to a more salty place so you're you're extracting it mm -hmm. from from the veggies cuz veggies have a high water content right so you're collapsing cells in the process and you're essentially prepping the vegetables for use um uh, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, it works in some cases. I, I personally don't like to salt vegetables before I roast them because if I roast them and they have too much salt, all the water leaches out during the roasting process. But it's really good. Like if you're preparing, like you had said, egg, eggplants, zucchini is another really good one. Yep. yep. Yeah. So I, so one of the, I think, I think Roman mentioned this is, is salting eggplant before you, yes. before you, Fry it, or you're going to make parmigiana with it, or whatever you're going to do. Very is, it has a pronounced it has a pronounced effect on it. Mm -hmm. For tomatoes, would it be more for tomatoes in just a fresh use, Geo, rather than a prepared use? You're asking or? the wrong dude. I do not know. Okay. Also, because I uh, would say yes, to it, salt it, your tomatoes and drain them. I if would you're gonna, depending on how say you cook. It depends on the quality of the tomato. In Italy, it's I've never even seen in good tomatoes. You, there are some, you don't want to touch some things. If you have a pianolo, which you probably have never had because you can't get the United States, no, you don't need to do anything to them. And you, salt enhances flavors, but it can also destroy appreciation of what's there. And so, therefore, mm -hmm. if you're talking about a, a good dato, a Sicilian dates tomato, or I, I'm not going to touch the damn thing. They're already salinic. Which uh, you, actually you want, is something that you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to screw it up anymore. I mean, if you want that boom flavor, you don't want to hide it by putting some salt in it. You want to exalt it. If instead of using it as sauce, yeah. that's different because putting in salt will help balance acidity, sweetness, and help turn on at least partially theoretically your taste buds, and will help also attract things that's also going to put more water in and it's going to let you taste more whatever herbs you've put in mm -hmm. yeah it ha it, it's the i was going to say it has the if you're salting a sauce one of the things that they um they both reference in their books is time right salt needs time yeah to, need to time. like when you incorporate in salt so you're doing it early right and then you're constantly adjusting it as you go but right. salt needs time to incorporate yeah. one forgets one should always do that even for the beginning cook um, you should always taste the food and you don't it's you don't really follow the the amount of stuff they say on the recipe thing you have to use your tongue and nose and experience and mm -hmm. and adjust you have to adjust it it's not it's not bacon you got it you, you baking not bacon it's not baking you have to adjust the things as you're cooking yeah i agree you're never going to know how it how it's going to come out you and you don't know what you need more of you know or less of if you don't taste along the way 
and I, I do agree with Ruleman that, you know, you should take, you should salt throughout the process and not at the end. I know a lot of people don't salt until the end, but I find that, you know, it just kind of tends to overwhelm the food if you wait till the very end, I yep. think. Agreed. The only exception uh, on that and, is, 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 is if you're making broth to, to, to lots of broth to, to freeze. Cause you don't, yeah. want, other than that, you, you pretty much everything you, you do as you go. Mm -hmm. At least, so I would, I would suggest it. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I didn't go to school in, in, in Le Cordon Bleu or something like that or CIA. <laughs> well, and it, but it, another thing they, they talk about is, so we were talking about brine. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think, I mean, brining is, is definitely, I think it's an, it's a art. It's a hugely beneficial thing. It can be overdone really easily yes. um, by people. So maybe that's why people shy away from it. Yeah. Um, but if you do it well, it's a huge flavor enhancer. Yeah, you're process. right. But I, and also, I would also, I would also say that just in having learned from very painful experience that there's some, there are some meats that are better for brining and the, over the others, like chicken thighs. Don't brine chicken thighs. It, it, yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know if it's because of the fat content in them, but I made the mistake of brining them once and they were mush and they were so disgusting. But it's perfect for chicken breasts. And I think it's because of the, um, mm -hmm. there is so little fat in chicken breasts. It's, it, you know, and, and chicken breasts tend to be stringy and you they're very easy to overcook, but it, they're wonderful for brining. And also pork chops. Pork chops. That's actually one of the things that Roman has in his book is a recipe for pork chops. <clears throat> Um, that have been brined, mm -hmm. and then then you make them into essentially like uh, fried with breading and things like that mm -hmm. with with capers. And it's delightful. Yeah, mm -hmm. you the could other, even yeah. you could even do a brine like not necessarily salt and water, but you could use other things. Like um, I've do I've done um like a pickle juice brine. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, it can it actually comes out really good. That's the apparently according to certain people that is the secret to um chick-fil-a's very good i don't eat chick-fil-a but once in a while really? if somebody buys it for me i'll eat it because i'm like well i didn't spend my money but there's chick-fil-a <laughs> chicken sandwiches are the bomb shit and somebody said that that's what they do is they brine their chicken breasts in pickle juice and i was like i'm gonna try that it's or olive that juice is really sense. good for brining i was gonna say because you don't necessarily have to use salt itself if you have salty mm -hmm. things like one of the things that roman mentioned in his book i thought this was a, a wild one <laughs> is well, there's salty things. So you have capers, right? You have olives, you have um, just salt, like even, even cheeses, like feta cheese or salty things. It's mm -hmm. the combination of saltiness that, that, that adds flavor. But um, the one I thought that was really interesting was fish, was fish sauce in mac and cheese, which was really kind of an, I, I actually want to try it just for the heck of it. But he, he mentions in here, I think this, I forget where this came from. Giovanni, you should try it because you love mac and cheese, don't you? I remember. Oh, he clearly, he clearly does. <laughs> Actually, guys, I make not mac and cheese, but I use cheese and pasta a lot. So mm -hmm. cream there cheese. Yeah. So this is about using, so fish sauce isn't just for Thai curries. It could also be used for mac and cheese. So, I, I think you could add I fish sauce to a lot of things. I think to me, fish sauce is, is similar to adding anchovies to a lot of things. You don't necessarily taste the fish, but it does give that extra little bit of saltiness. Or they call it umami. A little bit, a little bit of umami. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I personally like anchovies. I don't know what is wrong with people. Like anchovies are good. Yeah. Pasta puranesca. Mmm, that's best. And that's all salty stuff. That's like anchovies, capers, olives. Mm -hmm. And then how can you not love a dish, you know, basically translates to slutty spaghetti. 
Right, exactly. Right? You were talking about escorts earlier, Giovanni. There you go. Yes, a la puttanesca, because it's Mm -hmm. made by my colleagues. (laughs) 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 And it's it's, it's very cheap. It is. It's very cheap and it's very good. And it's something I'm so, sorry, Andy, that that's the other thing about if he listens to this, which he never will. For heaven's sakes, you don't make a puttanesca with pasta sfoglia. Are you out of your freaking mind? Sorry. Who? Yeah. What are you talking about? And his oh, pasta thing he makes in a very terrible, awkward way, pasta. In Roman's book? He says it's really, no, he no, makes a video and he says it's really easy to make. No, it's easy to make okay pasta. It's hard and takes time. And then in the end, I'm making a puttanesca. And using pasta sfoglia? What? That's like bad sex. That's, that's telephone sex. You, know, you don't want. You don't. People want. don't even have sex over the phone anymore. They just do it over like FaceTime. <laughs> Boy, that's so, a yeah. This, sad was, this thing. was actually. Now that's like overbrining chicken thighs. Oh, he used that kind of pasta. Ooh. Yeah. You're not supposed to use that kind of pasta for puttanesca. Even a, even an American like me knows that. Less hmm. Sorry, Andy. That's why I Andy. think, wait a minute. Who is this dude? Andy, I disapprove of this hey. Michael Roman. Hey, classically French. I didn't say, I didn't say he knew pasta. Okay. Classically, classically French. If you ever interview Andy, tell him to get that freaking video off because it's embarrassing. <laughs> it is embarrassing. Thank you. <laughs> or go over so the top. Ne- next topic I want to talk about is because I don't think a lot of people do this well, and this is seasoning of meat. Um, I think people do it way too little, way too quickly. And no time, Andy. And way no, too no, late. There's, not, there's, no there's not way too late. There's not enough time that mm-hmm. the salt has had with meat to be able to do the diffusion part of it. Because when they talk about uh, osmosis and diffusion, diffusion takes time, right? And I think people rush it with it, and they don't. And get there are the also benefit. varying varying notions. That's yeah, that's one, I- one idea. Break down. One idea that breaks down so much, but has to be rediffused by by it takes hours. And it's like mm-hmm. a New York strip, but there's also differing differing opinions on that because it depends on the quality yeah. of the meat, the size yeah. of the meat, the cut of the meat. So. We're talking well, about like process. a like a ribeye or a New York steak. Yes, ideally you give it a nice salting, leave yeah. it outside for ten minutes, then shove it in the fridge for at least a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Because they who's, say who's got diffusion who's is got. the process. I won't even of, think about uh, that. Okay, it's it's it's, well, it's five thirty or six o'clock, and I'm going to wait, wait. I got to salt my steak <laughs> for dinner. No one. No, I mean you're right. It's too late, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean mm-hmm. if you put it on ten minutes before you cook, it's too late. Right? You, you didn't you didn't get yeah. enough time. So it's it's a process of letting salt move from the saltier environment to the less saltier environment. So you're mm-hmm. you're making thing everything even, right? In the, in the meat before you cook it, and you know um, was it uh, um, uh, Nasrat talks about at the, at the restaurant salting the meat well ahead of time, like the previous day, mm-hmm. right? That that you're that you're getting it ready for it mm-hmm. for for the next day's thing. So there's a reason that you do it. Again, if you go to Florence or you go to Tuscany, they do not, at least from what I've experienced and what I've heard and talked to, they don't for the for the T-bones they make. No salt. No salt, really? Florence, no. So how do they, so how does it work then with a Florentine steak? What, what is it that breaks down the, the You don't the want to break then? down the freaking meat <laughs> Want to chew and taste the meat. B, you, what you need in that instance, particularly like the Spaniard, 
is that uh, the meat which grows slowly and, and is grass-fed and open field fed has a different flavor. And so you're mm. really not interested in breaking down. In the U.S., uh, I think it's like nine months or something for the cow to get the slaughtering weight. The Spaniard kills his cows only, uh, his beef, I'm sorry, only after 16, 16 to 19 years. And even canina is at least two years before you slaughter it. The U.S. Mm. is a mass industry and it's when you... Yeah. Uh, they can't even, some of them with no, can't even conceive <laughs> of having beef, which is 19 years old yeah, uh, and at the end of their life. And, and he loves them. He loves them. So <laughs> you want to taste everything in that beef. Yep. Yeah. The, the other thing I was going to mention about here next is um, veggies and specifically about um, taking veggies and blanching them. So, and one of the things I was reading in the book, and I don't know if you know about this, Gio, is the, the fact that uh, most vegetables and fruit cells contain pectin, right? And pectin is something that needs to be broken down. You break it down by either applying heat to it, um, or in this case, when you're applying salt to it, salt aids in breaking down pectin. Um, and that's why, that's why we apply salt, you know, salt to um, uh, water that we are... Um, cooking veggies in, blanching them, and then shock them, and then you can reheat them later. But that's the whole reason you're doing it is to kind of tone down that pectin. And you're also um, helping with the nutrients. Like, thing I don't think a lot of people realize that when you're applying salt to it, you're actually helping with the nutrients, the natural nutrients that are in the veggies to begin with. Yeah. Cool. And it's also, um, blanching is also something that if, if, you know, appearance and plating is, is important. It also helps preserve the, the color and the shape of and the, the brightness of the, of the vegetables as well. Yeah. 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 Um, what other topics do I want to go over here? So, so Gio, I want to talk about next is pasta water. <laughs> I think that, Oh, oh, I think the, sea. the, sal- the salty the bitch sea. is going to come out again. The sea. <laughs> Just the sea. That's just it. If you went to the sea, like by and large, rather than use your, dip it in. You, if you're, you, well, you might like to use a spoon if you want to. Just taste it after you've put the water in before you put the pasta in and say, okay, is that about right? Uh, it, mm-hmm. it depends on the sauce you're going to make it with, of course. I think sure. I read somewhere that, I don't know if it was Ana Del Conte, uh, I want to say it was her. She said, uh, your, your pasta water should be as salty as the Mediterranean, which I always loved. Yeah, Very poetic. Sea. That's why it's the sea. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. Again, it depends. And then you don't have to add salt to anything that you're serving it with, which is really nice. Because if your pasta water is salty, it absorbs all that flavor. And then you don't have to put salt in like your sauce or anything like that. If you're making a carbonara, you don't want it that salty. You want it a little bit less. So let's say you want it like the Adriatic, <laughs> which is a bit less salty. <laughs> even that's part of the Mediterranean. It's true. It's a little bit less salty uh, because of the cold water that comes in from the north. Um <laughs> if you're making, I don't know, uh, probably never wanted that salty, to be honest. Never that salty. If you're making something that's really salty, don't too, don't put too much salt in the water. Right. Hold back on it a little bit. Um, would that uh, be... A piece of advice. Effectively, I would not use, because I've used it when... I, I, I don't don't use iodized salt to, 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 for the pastas. I, I, I tried that. it. Is that, is that it? Well, if you but if you're applying it, say if you're using kosher salt in your water for the pasta, you have to give yeah. enough time for the kosher salt to break down, right? Don't you? I assume in the water. I've never used kosher salt. I use casale grosso, which is not quite the same thing, but 
Italy you get sale grosso, big salt, and mm. table salt, sea salt. It's almost all sea salt. There's almost no iodized salt, or you can, but it's not that frequently used. So it's all sea salt, but just different different densities of sea salt. Oh, different sizes. Oh, different sizes. <laughs> the process salt, know. the table salt, the sea salt, which is it's just you know grams, and then you get big sale grosso. It's big salt, and you shove that in into the salt water, and it dissolves. I'm saying don't use, in my opinion, usually the iodized salt because a little bit of bitterness it does add. Yeah. If you're sensitive, if you're not, hey, whatever you want. But it, it does change the flavor, in my opinion, a little bit. Iodized salt bit. can make something bitter or even metallic. Slightly, slightly. You know, yeah, kind of, it's, there's, it's yeah. kind of kind of not great. Yeah. So. Um. So. Next topic is bread. So this was this is an interesting thing. So because we've talked about um, how the Tuscans do not put salt in their bread, um, we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. And I remember and when we did the interview with Julia Scarpaleggia, and she talked about that. She was very specific mm-hmm. about that, right? Is is that you don't put salt in your bread? And I'm assuming it's because the things that it's eaten with have a certain saltiness to them, and you want balance, right? So you don't want the bread to be too salty in the process or versus the French. Because they're really poor. <laughs> yeah, or they're you know, really poor. Well, that, goes, that goes back to history because salt mm-hmm. costed money, right? And they didn't yeah. have it. So, uh, which makes perfect sense. You mm-hmm. know, if you're cooking cucina povera, right? And you want to, you know, use other salty things. If you're, you know, if you're using you anchovies yeah. or using capers or something, that's your salt, right? Mm-hmm. And then you don't need to put it in your bread. But, that, but French bread does have salt in it. Baguette and things like that do have salt. Ooh, la, la. I'm wondering if that, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm wondering if it's it's is that because they're combined with things that are a little bit more bland, right, or that have less salt content to them. So I thought that was interesting that certain breads have well, a little bit more salt to them. Yeah. Some don't. One thing, not and there's really no such thing as as you know we call it French bread, we call it Tuscan shop shop, but they always have had different kinds of bread. We mm-hmm. call that because it's shaba classical. I know it means without without salt, but you can always. I'm pretty sure if you look at history, they will always have had different sorts of bread that you can buy there and here. Yeah, in Tuscany, you we were there, and man, I'm sorry, but you can go to the blessed Salamier in, in Paris. You want to, but they're not going to have finocchione, or finocchetto, which is that. <laughs> You're not going to have what is it? That's orgasmic salami. You can't get it in the United States because uh, we still have. It's a type of salami in Tuscany that is just like to the moon. Of good, the good oh, grief, okay. is it good? And it's very salty. Uh, you've been here, so you've had some of them. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S., we cannot because it's still basically legal. Even Didn't we talk now. about you smuggling some in? No, the dog. On one of our me. episodes, this yeah, is yeah, ringing the dog, a bell. Yeah, the we, did. The dog, we did. The, the we did. The fucking dog, the beagles, Tommy. He was a salami smuggler. That's dog right. Crying. That's right. The bastards took it away from you at customs of motherfucker. <laughs> they wouldn't even let me eat it. Yes, I know. And it was Tuscan. See, that's the whole thing. You, you know what you should have done? You should have just taken it, Joe, and like shoved it in your mouth and been like, "Fuck you." <laughs> it's. I, I understand the meat thing. I will not go too deeply there. Not in any form. <laughs> Not in any package. Oh, why? Any, why? But the thing <laughs> is, you know, it's an entire salami. Fidino. <laughs> oh, there's so many things I could say, but I won't. I was going to say. I'll respect, I'll respect Andy. I can see Andy's like, he's like, Perhaps. no, no. Try not to be too abusive or I will mention something about using pickle juice and just where did all the pickles go? Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> okay. Oh, and so. on, right. I don't even know what to say to that. Getting back to Tuscan bread. 
<laughs> so yes, the other thing is going back to the, to, an old, to an old episode, and yes, in the U.S. since it's all newish, it's still kind of newish, but in most of the old country, probably in, in other places as well, which I have not traveled enough to, uh, everything combines to make the meal. So the wine will fit with the yes. bread, will fit with whatever you're making, and it's always seasonal mm-hmm. and based on local yeah. artisans. And the difficulty in our world right now is this. Um, Neocon now, even Zionist neocons and neolibs that really are trying to fuck that thing, which is too bad because it's a joyful and very what's your face uh, the the from from table from we were talking about her earlier, the founder of that uh, of, Alice Waters. That oh, Alice, Alice Waters. Waters. That's basically what agriculture was up until 1960. Yes, so it's not like it's you know. But you know, people have to market themselves. You you know, you tell it's all no. show business. You know that, Giovanni. We've we've mm-hmm. taken that away. Like like I was talking with Andy about his bread episode, and oh, pick up a loaf of bread in your local supermarket, particularly in the United States. It's happening now here as well, and read the ingredients. Oh, it's terrible. it's silly. How many ingredients it's, are it's, asked, it's Andy? How many ingredients are in bread? Three. <laughs> you go you go to the supermarket, and you've got. A bazillion different ingredients, and, it's not, and they're not good for you. Nope. So that's all. So that's why the, the, the food, the, the saltiness, Flour, and everything combines water. for one thing. So get back to your bread, because you guys know that I don't bake bread. Well, I did. I did find it interesting. Like when I make sourdough bread, I do put salt in it. Um, Tuscan bread does not require salt. So I, or doesn't you don't put salt? In I Tuscan thought I bread, read somewhere, I Andy, that the salt can inhibit the sourdough yeast, and I don't know if that's true or not. I. I I've never made um, sourdough. Okay, I don't know. I could I could look it up. I, I to me with sourdough, it's so when I'm making the when I'm making the the starter. Obviously, mm-hmm. the starter doesn't have any form of salt in it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just yeast. Um, and then, but when you're making the bread, you're putting in the bread flour and you're putting in a little bit of sea salt to it. I'm assuming it's probably to activate things or to to okay. um, to help the flour. I guess I'll have to research sense. it more. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, but, but I did find it interesting, like, you know, having made Tuscan bread too, zero, you know, zero salt in it still comes out tasting wonderful, just has a different characteristic to it. And like yeah. Gio said, typically you're having it with things like salamis and things like that. And it's absolutely perfect with it because the salami is salty. So. I'm going to actually make bread later today. Um, um, I'll, I'll report back. I always put salt in mine, but I'm making... Um, uh, I don't know. I don't speak French, so my accent is probably going to be terrible. But it's um, pen 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 noir. So or noir. It's um walnut bread. But I'm definitely oh, putting. Cool. It's it's for a blog post that I'm doing. <coughs> it's going to have um, goat cheese and olives in it as well. So I think that that'll be good. Really, really so good. I probably don't have to put any salt if I'm going to put that that stuff in it, right? Put the goat cheese. Yeah. You don't want too much. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, while we're on the topic of baking, baking cookies, right? Mm-hmm. Baking cookies or put a little bit of salt in it and it's magic, right? That it occurs when you put a little bit of sea salt in um, or even just straight up with chocolate or caramel. Mm-hmm. Magic, right? Does does wonderful things. Yeah. If you're put, if you're making a, something like a chocolate cake with a with a ganache icing, what you do is once you put the icing on the cake before it dries and hardens, sprinkle some like kind of like large flakes of salt. And it not only looks really pretty, but it adds to the flavor. Yep. 
good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a education on salt. I think we we covered a lot of ground here. Thank you, Gio and Vanessa, for the wonderful tour through salt and all of its variations. And this is just beginning our cooking essentials, right? So we're going to be talking about a lot of different things that are very foundational to cooking um, <coughs> and getting a little more little more deep into why we do them. So thank you both. It's been a lovely, salty journey. <laughs> Thanks for being a salty <laughs> bitch, Giovanni. Enjoy Bolivia with your pickles. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy, enjoy salting your meat. <laughs> <laughs>